Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. Today is episode eight, a letter to the woman who wants to read more. I love to read and conversations with me usually include what I'm currently reading or how my bookshelf is growing or holding way over its capacity. So I wanted to do a podcast episode about how I'm able to find the beauty of the feminine genius in book characters and in reading. I hope you enjoy it. Today we're welcoming to the podcast Sarah Burns, who I have known for, is it, it's two years, I think. I think we met like two Januaries ago. And I had first met her, one of our mutual friends, Father Zars in Topeka, had introduced me to her when I'd, I'd come to him and said, like, I'm, you know, really struggling with this in my spiritual life and this is going on. And he had like sat me down and said, okay, that's great. But like, what you really need is, you know, a woman's perspective and you need someone who is like, like you and your personality, but older, so she has more wisdom, and then he told me to, um, talk to you, Sarah, so, (laughs) for, um, yeah, for the past two years, it's just been, like, a really neat relationship, um, of, like, an adopted big sister, and just, I've been, (laughs) like, really appreciative of all, like, the advice that you've given me, and, like, the incredible adventures we had together, because we went to California together last fall, for a silent retreat, and then hikes, and um, just heart-to-heart chats, so I'm really excited to have you on here. Thanks, Chloe. It's really exciting to be on your new podcast yeah. and get to share a little bit of your new venture with you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, very much so. I remember when we had first met, um, and I think the first conversation that we had outside of just like talking after daily mass um, we had gone to a coffee shop and sat down and like one of the one of the questions you asked me to get to know me was like all right top favorite books like give me your top five and I remember being like just like oh like in awe of someone who wanted to get to know me and like knew that they could get to know me like through what books I liked I loved that during that first conversation yeah it was very enlightening and I think we uh formed a really good bond that way because we had a lot of similarities so yeah yeah like really good ones in common I remember I think you were the first person that I had met besides like family members who like had read Kristen Lavin's daughter Um, (laughs) and I was like oh my gosh like if she knows this book this is gonna be solid (laughs) yeah you were the first person I had met um ever who had read that so yeah I love it good that's so good good. moment that's so good (laughs) So today, today's letter to women is a letter to the woman who wants to read more. And I just like, yeah, from the very beginning, the first conversations that we've had, I've always been just really in awe of how well read you are and how many good book suggestions you have and how good you are keeping up on your Goodreads um, (laughs) (laughs) book list, which I suck at. Um, (laughs) And just, yeah, how much wisdom you have and how much books have played a big part in your life. And so, yeah, I could, when I was trying to think of like, women that I wanted to have on to talk about being well-read and, and the importance of good books. I like, you were definitely the first person that came to mind. So this is, I'm really excited for this. Yeah, me too. Thank you. It's supposed to be really good. So just kind of to start out with, um, what role has reading and books, um, played in your life and how did you foster a love of books? So like, what's your story with books? Sure. Um, great question. Well, I was lucky. I mean, growing up, I remember my my parents, my grandparents were always very good about reading me stories, you know. I mean, there's half a dozen pictures and like old baby books and things, you know, of me on someone's lap, like reading a book, you know, Curious George and Madeline and all those good ones. But I think, um, you know, that supportive environment like was probably really important to me, you know, being open to becoming a reader eventually. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I do remember like the moment though, like when I went from just like enjoying books to being kind of passionate about them. Uh-huh. Um, my aunt had given me a stack of books for Christmas, which I was not excited about. <laughs> at all. You're like, this sucks. But, this is an awful gift. <laughs> I was like, really? I mean, come on, <laughs> Christmas. I'm going back to school. Um, but I remember like, it was just like a quiet, like winter night. And I was, I think it was seven. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm very adventurous. And even when I was seven, I was always like imagining some big adventures. I was like, okay, I'm going to sleep on the floor. And like, I made this whole like little nook to kind of curl up in and it was quiet. So I was like, well, maybe I'll read one of these books my aunt gave me. So I picked up, um, the, the one that I chose and it was the boxcar children. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. At number seven, the woodshed mystery. So <laughs> I read the whole book that night. Nice. I don't even know how long I stayed up because it was bedtime when I went to bed, but mm-hmm. like that was the moment when I was like, books are really exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I think between that and, um, kind of around that same age, we started homeschooling. Mm-hmm. We missed a lot growing up. And I think that having that stability of always going into a story and like having all these different experiences and mm-hmm. in a sense, you know, you become friends with the different characters, right? Yes. Um, so. Through all of the like transitions of moving every two, three years growing up was mm-hmm. just really meaningful to me. So I love that. yeah, that ended up with me getting a minor in literature in college. And I still, I mean, reading is a huge part of my life even now. Mm-hmm. So That's so neat. That's really cool. Um, when you're looking at a book list of things to read, like how do you pick what to read? Like either back when you were in college or even now with all the book choices that are out there, how do you, <laughs> which there's a ton. I feel like every time we get together, you're like, you should read this and you should read this. And I'm like, <laughs> My growing list of really good recommendations, which is great because a lot of the times like you'll walk into, you know, the library and my, my usual thing is like, okay, I'll go through the new section and like, see if there's anything good that's come out that like catches my interest. And I have like one or two authors where I'm like, okay, I know if I pick something from them, they'll be great. But other than like the old, like judge a book by a cover, like how do you discern if a book is worth your time to read? Well, there's a lot of ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of depends on genre for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a spiritual book, I really pay attention to people I respect, whether they're priests, religious, um, you know, very on fire disciples of the Lord and what they're reading. I think that's a really great way to make sure you stay within like good sound, um, holy books, nothing that's going to be a little bit too, you know, off the beaten path. Full of heresy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Try to avoid that. Right. (laughs) Ideally. Yes. Um, Outside of that, though, I mean, I think there is kind of that, not to sound like the book whisperer, but like, <laughs> it's very apparent to me pretty quickly, like, if I start reading a book, whether it's going, I'm going to connect with it. And so when I'm choosing a, no- a novel, mm-hmm. I do that a lot. I think ways to do that, that are really easy is like, I do love the the website Goodreads. It's very good for researching. Um, but like looking at the quotes from books is a good way to kind of see is, does this resonate with me? Does this sound like the life um, perspective of the book is something that is going to be helpful for me? Or if it's going to be something that's, you know, kind of like watching trash TV, right? Yep, exactly. That's a good um, Yeah. That's really so 
And I also think like uh, we tend to kind of look at reading as an isolated activity, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it has to be looked at that way. And I think it's actually more beneficial if it's done in community. So like these conversations that we have, what are you reading? Why are you reading that? What do you like about it? Yeah, That's taking like the books that you're reading, you know, by yourself, but it becomes an aspect of your community, of your friendships. And I think, you know, finding out what people around you that you respect are reading, your best friends are reading, that's a great way to kind of discern if it's like good book or, you know, something that can maybe not just enrich you yourself, but also enrich people around you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that aspect of like the community around it. When when you read, um, this is a question that's been really interesting because I've been like interested in finding out about like book clubs around Kansas City. Like, are you a book club kind of person or are you very much like a, no, I'll read it by myself, but like talk about it with other people kind of? <laughs> well, I have uh, a lot of problems with being a control freak. So. <laughs> Um, book clubs can be a huge challenge for me, mm-hmm. uh, because I like to read what I want to read right now. Yes. <laughs> I, I have been in book clubs before and honestly, they've been fantastic. Yep. Um, just the discipline of, you know, okay. It makes it a little bit more selfless, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is always good to have in your life, but also just, I really do believe that you get, you get deeper into the meaning of a book if you share it with someone else and you have a conversation. I mean, that's the great thing about studying literature in college is you're always going deeper in the books um, and just getting a little bit more insight into the characters and how that can apply to your own life, right? Yeah, so. yeah that makes sense. Especially with like all the vantage points that can come from different people's like reading of the same story Mm -hmm. how they different characters resonate with different people and like that may change based on where they're at in their life but you know if you've never like been in their shoes then you wouldn't have like never been able to connect with another character that way that they'd have oh absolutely I love that yeah it can make you more um empathetic and yeah passionate yeah yeah that's a really good point I really like it um this kind of like touches on femininity um in all the books you've read what are some characters who you find to be like the best examples of authentic femininity, whether it's like nonfiction, like authors that you really like how they portray like feminine virtue in their writing or like fiction characters? Mm. Goodness, that's a big question. I know, that's a loaded <laughs> one. <laughs> um, I think when I think of like an authentic woman, one of the the most immediate examples for me is Jane Eyre, mm-hmm. um, which is written by Charlotte Bronte. I find her to be really incredible. Um, the character is very complex. Like she's, you could never say that she's not a fully alive woman because she is very passionate. She's very emotional, mm-hmm. but she, even in the midst of all of that passion and emotion, she always chooses her integrity and sticking to her values over like anything else. I really admire that about her, um, the way that she's able to, you know, just keep her passions in order Mm -hmm. and love very deeply, but in a very true way. Um, and I know that's a book that you really love too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have it on my, like, it's been one that I've popped in and out of like this whole month and just going back and revisiting like different parts of her life and how she's, she's very, like relatable too, like, you know, just this 
as a character and the way she's written about. And like you said, she's very complex. And I love that. Like every time that I go back to her to read about like her story, like different parts of that story resonate with me based on like where I'm at and just realizing that like tapping into her complexity was just really great. Yeah. She's, she's phenomenal. I hats off to Charlotte Bronte for yeah. putting paper because it's a good one. It is a good one. Um, you know, another one that I really like is Beatrice from the Divine Comedy by Dante. That's a good one. And yeah, I mean, you don't really get to have too much interaction with her, (laughs) but I do love, what I love about her is she shows the incredible effect that a true, good, virtuous, beautiful woman can have on a man. Yes, very much so. And just like her, just her role as a woman, but also like influencing his spiritual life too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he... She inspires him to be honorable. She inspires him to keep going. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good thing for us as women to remember is that even if it doesn't seem like it, like men do pay attention to us and we do have a huge influence on them um, for the good or for bad, you know? Yeah, exactly. I remember, um, oh, it was in a homily that Father Zars gave where he talks about how like the strength of every man is found in the heart of the woman that he loves. And I think, yeah, mm-hmm. Beatrice definitely shows that strength for sure in that, in that poem. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. I think one of my favorite examples, like, as a classic, just as a – it's a one that I've come back to and how she lives out her femininity is Kristen. From, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And just how – from Kristen Laverne's daughter and how she – she's very raw and she makes stupid mistakes and she has to like (laughs) so many times and like it's hard to be frustrated with her as a character though because like I I can see myself in that like I know I've been in the same boat where I made stupid decisions that I knew like I'm just doing this out of passion I'm just doing this because I want to and I want to right now but I love that in that book she has to like live with those those mistakes and like and how she has to work out those consequences and things like that and I love how like her femininity just kind of blossoms over that um period is like you watch her become a mom and you like watch her marriage really struggle like hardcore (laughs) hardcore struggle and how like she lives out that femininity even in those hard times mostly the hard times that she like brought upon herself but yeah, that's, a, really that's a great point. Um, I'm actually rereading Kristen right now. That's a good one. It's great. It's kind of painful mm-hmm. sometimes because it is, like you said, it's so, so incredibly relatable. And she's like this diehard romantic. And right now I'm in the first, you know, third of the book. And yeah. she's making all the choices that are going to really impact her life in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And she. You know, it's just you see her like ignoring reality, ignoring reality. Um, I heard this great quote, like you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. Exactly. They come back to bite you. (laughs) 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 So it's a good book if you need to get your head on straight. It will definitely inspire you that way. (laughs) That's very true. Yeah, that's so true. I need to I think this is like a good point, too, is like the book that you pick like it matters what translation you pick up too like Kristen has like showed me that too where um you'll have to remind because you probably remember this too I picked up a translation that one of our friends was looking for um at the library and it was like I love the penguin translation like that's just kind of what I like first met her with and 
Um, this was like the roughest, like most medieval, clunky, hard to get through <laughs> translation. I'm like, why are you looking for this? This would suck. Um, and it's just probably my non-appreciation of literature, but, um, how like the translation can definitely like make a difference, at least for me on with that book, with how well you connect to a character too. Translation is an absolute art. And that is a really good point. If you are planning on reading a book that is written um, not originally in English, mm-hmm. do yourself a favor and do research yes. on the translation. Um, that can sound kind of intimidating, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you need to research the translation, but it's really not that hard. Um, websites like Amazon, Goodreads, or even just like Google searching best yep. translation, like you can get a good sense of the different, you know, versions. Cause sometimes there's several, but yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I remember, I think that I made that mistake too with Dante. Like I picked up the Inferno from just like, you know, the, the Barnes and Noble, like classics that you should read. And I'm like, oh, hey, like nine bucks, like that would be great. And I picked it up without checking the translation and it's so bulky and clunky. And I can't remember like the, this is awful because I should like remember the translation. And then Father Nick Blaha gave us a copy of um, Paradise for our wedding gift. And it was by, it's the translation by Esalon. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like, it's just like a whole different book. Like, this is so great. And like the ease of reading it and the ability to really just dig into it because I know Mm -hmm. what they're talking about and I can connect to that, to that text. Yeah. If you're planning on reading the Divine Comedy, which if you're not, you should be. should, yes. It's the best. (laughs) Um, I love Anthony Iceland's translation. Mm -hmm. The notes in the book are also extremely helpful if you don't have like. I mean, none of us have the entire historical context of what he's writing in, but he has great notes on the different characters that he references and the his, the time that he was writing in yeah. um, to help you understand the text. Um, he also has a series of lectures if you want to really study it mm-hmm. that you can buy. Um, they're just like audio lectures. Um, so that would be a great route to go if you wanted to, like maybe for a book club to go through the Divine Comedy. But another really good translation is actually Mark Mises. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, so Lots go of out options. and buy the Divine Comedy. That's yes. my for the day. <laughs> Put it on your list, the one recommendation <laughs> to walk away with. <laughs> it's so good. And I love, too, how, like, when you're interacting with a book, like, there's, a, like, especially with, like, Dante, for one example, is, like, the ability to, like, enter, like, enter into that world, like, on all sides. Like, to be able to enter into the text and, and a story, but also to be able to enter into, like, okay, historically, this is what was going on when he wrote this, and this line is important, you know, people who would have been reading it back when he wrote it would have been shocked because, you know, fill in the blank, and I love how there's, like, a culture surrounding that and that you can dig into and, and just, like, wallow in and just enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Those old books, I mean, you can really go down the rabbit hole. You can live in them as long as you want to. In like, <laughs> your experience um, with reading, okay, like I found this that's been kind of frustrating and it could just be because I'm not picking out great books, but I have found that like in terms of really good, solid reading material that I've connected with and has resonated within me that I've been able to find that in a lot of like classical authors. So like I love Jane Austen. Um, and how timeless some of the advice that she gives. I love Louisa May Alcott, um, the Bronte sisters, Dickens. It's like a huge favorite. But I haven't been able to find that in a lot of modern authors. So have you been able to find that same quality of literature in people who are writing in that are mo- like modern day? Um, or is it something that's just like, yeah, like back then they thought different and it, it shows kind of thing? 
So in terms of like just depth in general or, um, Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. The problem that I found with contemporary literature is the worldview that they're coming from. Yep. Yep. Um, there's not a lot of Catholic authors alive today. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to realize, I mean, Dante's Catholic, the Brontes were, you know, very devout Christians for the most part. I mean, they're coming from a very Christian worldview, right? Yes, very much so. Very and much so. a lot of modern authors, they're coming from an agnostic or kind of apathetic faith. Mm-hmm. And that completely comes across in their books. Yep. So. Um, as far as secular writers, not really. I do love Michael O'Brien, who is a Canadian author who writes Catholic novels. Um, that would be like, if you're really looking for depth and something to kind of sink into and enrich your spiritual life, Mm -hmm. that would be a great, a great route to go. That is a really good recommendation. I was wondering how long it would take for Michael (laughs) O'Brien to pop I've been holding it like (laughs) It's like, wow, we hit the 20-minute mark, and he hasn't showed up. I'm like, really surprised. And there he is. <laughs> so I just finished uh, a couple months ago reading all of his novels. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was 12 or 13 of them. It took me, what, a little over a year? Yeah, year and a half? Right over, I think right over a year. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been a little bit um, challenging to come out of that and start reading other authors again. But yep. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sneaking in like Michael O'Brien on the side. <laughs> I am. I have reread one of them so far and started rereading another. So. Can't um, stay away. But it's good. Like, it's just like a really good indicator of just finding something that like resonates with you and is applicable to today. And like when you go back and you reread it, because I think that's another thing too, is like finding books where you want to reread them because you know that there's so much depth in them that you can reread them and get something different or like their characters were so real that you want to go back and visit them. Absolutely. Well, and the one that I reread was father Elijah, which is his most famous novel that he's written. And I mean, a a really good thing to do when you are reading a novel is what are the lessons that the author is trying to convey? Like what, what is his point? Right. Yep. And what I keep getting with father Elijah, I would go back and read it again, but like he, portrays the importance of obedience Mm -hmm. better than anything I've ever read um, in that novel. And I mean, humility is like the foundation of virtue, right? And obedience is very closely tied to that. And it just, it's just a really beautiful kind of almost a meditation for me on that virtue. So nice. I like it. That makes sense too. Like with the worldview where you see, like, you know, look at today's modern culture and, you know, relativism and, just a, a blatant like lack of of truth and goodness and beauty and how that's reflected in the, the ways that we entertain ourselves or just like hypersexualized culture like that's right. been the most frustrating thing for me is that like there have been tons of books that I'll start and I'm like oh this is so good and then like there's a like really raunchy scene I'm like gosh dang it like I know that this is going to show up in it again and I, I can't and so that's like a really good point how it reflects kind of where we're at as you know as a culture but you also have to remember, I mean, we've always been human. Yep. All human history, we're, the sins are the same. So, Truth. Um, so for example, St. Teresa of Avila, who is my favorite saint, mm-hmm. um, she grew up reading as well. Like her dad was always reading. Um, he would make sure that the kids had books to read. Mm-hmm. And when she was 
little, this is, you know, kind of regulated by her parents and she'd read about the saints and she'd read all these like inspiring, um, wholesome kinds of works. And then she became a teenager and she got addicted to romance novels. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she's like very clearly, like she, she would almost have lost her soul, right? Because of the books that she was reading, yep. which is a great, like, you know, reminder that what you read does matter. Like, Yep. That is in your brain and that is going to affect how you look at things, even if it's just creating apathy towards, you know, a certain worldview or a certain sin or whatever. It's you can't you can't stay still in the spiritual life. You're either going forward or you're going backward. Yep, that's a good point. And yeah, and how yeah, what you consume for entertainment or for learning or for you know, education side of it matters. Like it's going to affect you in the way Absolutely. you think, the way you approach the world. I like it. Um, why, okay, this is kind of, now that we're on the topic of saints, um, why is reading spiritual books important for, like, developing spiritually? Well, um, I think that, like, it's very biblical. I mean, I think it's in Colossians where, you you know, St. Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, mm-hmm. set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. Yep. So I think that spiritual books are a really great way just to be intentionally setting your mind on the things that are above. Yeah. I also look at it um, very practically like, okay, if you meet someone that you want to get to know, what are you going to do? You're going to learn about them. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, a normal human relationship, that's going to be through conversation. Well, I mean... We do that with God through prayer, but also like reading the Bible, reading inspiring books, you know, learning about the faith. These are also ways that you can get to know God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. through that, you know, you can love him at a deeper level and that can, you know, help you to just, you know, increase your spiritual life and your prayer life. Um, you'll have more for meditations the more you read. Yeah, that's true. I mean, again, going back to St. Teresa, it's hard to talk about spiritual reading or the interior life without going back to St. Yeah, she's kind of a giant in the field. <laughs> yes, and she's the one I'm the most familiar with. But she's um, when she's talking about meditation and, like, learning how to meditate, she said, always have a book with you. Yep. Um, and if you can't get into contemplation, like, don't stress about it. Just read. Mm-hmm. And eventually, like, as you read, You'll find things that you can kind of meditate on and you'll get there, but, um, don't go in like unarmed basically. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. And just like the amazing amount of wisdom that's out there that's like kept in books where like, you know, there's so many good books. I'm the one I'm reading right now is time for God, um, by father Jacques Philippe, (laughs) one of our favorites. Um, and it's just like, you know, I, we have had the opportunity to listen to him in person, but it's so good to just be able to, at any point, like whether it's adoration hour or it's, you know, starting the day off with prayer to be able to pull something out and learn something from someone wiser than you that wouldn't like, wouldn't be possible if he didn't write a book. Absolutely. And the nice thing about like spiritual books, instead of just, you know, listening to sermons or homilies or, you know, whatever is that you can pause where you need to pause. Yes. And you can allow that to sink in mm-hmm. and you can, you know, think it through and it, it can resonate with you at a deeper level sometimes if you have the time and the space and the quiet to just really focus on it. Yeah. That's, and go at your own pace and not have to. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. 
Um, can you find opportunities for growth in books that aren't necessarily meant to be like exclusively spiritual? So like, for instance, like, like Lord of the Rings, um, or Harry Potter, like, is there, is there an ability to find God in books that aren't necessarily meant to be exclusively spiritual, like for spiritual growth? Absolutely. Yes. Um, one of, one of my hopeful projects that I want to work on is literature based meditations, because I think there's all kinds of books. I mean, Kristen Laverne's daughter is a great example. Yes. Lord of the Rings is a great example. I'm not sure about Harry Potter. <laughs> there's certainly natural lessons that you can learn from that. Yep. Um, because just like that, I mean, we have our real life examples of holiness, like of the great saints, right. Mm-hmm. And reading this, their stories, but a fictional character written by someone who's trying to, you know, raise your mind up instead of down, you can still learn a lot from a, a fictional character or, you know, a fictional scenario. Um, I think that the divine comedy is a great example of that. I mean, yeah. there's so much in there. There's so much theology written into that book or poem, mm-hmm. um, that you can pull out and meditate on. And that can absolutely bring you closer to God because we learn so naturally through stories, whether yes. they're fictional or they're real. Yep. That's a really good point. And it's too, like when you build a relationship with someone, like being able to see them in other things. So like, like I'm married to Joseph and like, I know him. And so throughout the day, like I'll be, you know, doing things and be like, Oh, that reminds me of you. Like, you know, kind of thing. So when like building a relationship with God and getting to the point where in the media that like you're consuming, like in a really like healthy way, like being able to see him in other things too, besides, you know, even like the beauty of spiritual reading, but also being able to see him in like fiction or Yeah, and so, like, being able to see him in that is really beautiful, too. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he says, pray always, right? Yes. How do you do that, St. Paul? Like, I mean, this is an example of, you know, if you can find God in books, I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, I completely agree. Do you have any, we mentioned um, Michael O'Brien, but do you have any other specifically, like, Catholic authors that you enjoy reading? You had to pick some. Um... Michael O'Brien's a big one. Louis DeWolf, if you want stories on the saints, he wrote, he wrote like fictional. Nice. You know, I mean, they're not fictional, but it's, you know, a novelization of the different saints. Um, They're very good. Um, I love Father Jacques Philippe. If you're looking for um, specifically spiritual writing. Yeah. Teresa of Avila is phenomenal if you want spiritual writing mm-hmm. um those are probably those are some good ones yeah some really solid ones uh, father michael gately another good one yes. for spiritual writing yeah very accessible very easy to read very much okay. so sister i love when you like especially with authors who have other forms of media like father michael gately has a bible study that we did together where it's like a dvd based where, mm-hmm. you know, you sit, like, you watch you watch him and you listen to him. And then when you go back and read, it's, like, continuous. Like, you can tell his personality still in his writing. And you can just, you know, it's very easy to imagine him reading that book out loud and have it be, like, oh, yeah, like, those are your mannerisms. Those are your quirks. Like, <laughs> how it's, like, for my Father Michael Gately was one of the first ones for me where I was, like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, I'd be able to pick this out from anything um, and know that it was, like, written by him. So I love when there's that connection. Oh, absolutely. When their voice is true yes. to how they actually speak, it's great. So good. It makes them so much more accessible. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so you and I both enjoy reading, and our friendship has grown because of that common interest. 
But what about those who are listening who find reading to be more of a chore um, than something that they like desire to do with a pastime? So do you have any recommendations for those who are like trying to ease themselves into reading and not only book suggestions, but like how to read like habits as well? I think that you have to be realistic with your goals. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's where maybe especially Americans um, tend to mess up is like, we're like, okay, I'm going to lose 50 pounds or I'm going to become a sous chef like tomorrow mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of being like, okay, I want to do this. How can I realistically do this in my actual real life? Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, pick, pick some accessible books, nothing, you know, if you haven't read a lot, maybe don't pick Dante right off the bat. Yeah. Right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pick, pick things that are easy mm-hmm. that you're truly interested in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just maybe set a time, um, like, okay, I'm going to read 10 minutes before bed yeah. and that's it. And hold yourself accountable. It's good to have, you know, accountability, whether it's with a friend or if you like check that off in your planner or however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. But it takes about a month, I think, to really set a habit. And I think that's a great, you know, discipline. Yeah, that's a really good point. Or how like, I think it's easy to, you know, pick up something that was recommended by someone who like likes reading, and to be disappointed in yourself and just to be like, well, I didn't enjoy this, or, you know, it's not connecting with me. And then just equate that to like all reading, like, well, I didn't enjoy reading Dante. So that's it. Like, I just don't enjoy reading in general. <laughs> so yeah, and I think, you know, if you're talking to someone who loves reading, mm-hmm. just be vulnerable, you know, yeah. like I haven't read a lot. Yep. What are good, what are good books in that you think I would enjoy? Cause you know me mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are, you know, accessible. And I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Yeah. And like, like you said, like be vulnerable and honest. Like that's something that like I've had like a really hard time with too. Sometimes is like, I've, I've read quite a bit, but I'm, I have so much more to read and it's, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, I've read so much. And then when like people ask you to like dig deep into things, you're like, oh crap, I haven't read that much. Like (laughs) I'm not there yet. And so like the humility to be able to be like, yeah, this is something that, you know, I'm still working on, but I want to get better at it. Just like any other skill, like, like you said, like cooking or like playing an instrument. Like we would never think, you know, oh, someone recommended that they think I would like, like enjoy playing the guitar. So obviously like I should be at top performing level by, you know, next week, like, and to realize it's like an acquired, like a talent to read and a ta- like a, a passion and a hobby to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. But it's, it's definitely something everyone could enjoy. Yes. You just, I mean, there's so many different books and so many different styles. I mean, there really is something for everyone. Yeah. There's something that like fits their personality is out there yeah. for sure. Okay, this one's probably the toughest question because I suck at picking favorite books. But okay, if you had to pick <laughs> the top top three, if you had to pick a top three, and like, why are those ones you pick? Like, how do they influence your life? Oh gosh. <laughs> so this is the worst question in the world. I know. Sorry. Um, I'm definitely the type of person I'm like always saying, "Oh, that's one of my favorite books." When people are talking about books I read, uh-huh. and then they'll be like, "What are your favorites?" And I'm like. I freeze because it's like there's so many good good books like it's like asking me who's my favorite child I don't have children (laughs) but you know you can't ask that question nope um but since you asked um I think I'm gonna go with some of the most influential books um as my top three favorites so probably the most influential book for me growing up was the Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. by Tolkien 
Um, I reread that book a lot. That, that book, gosh, I love it because there is so much hope in that book, even in the darkest, darkest passages. Like you never lose hope. Yep. I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, the writing is beautiful. The story is big. It's, it's epic. Um, it's exciting, Mm -hmm. but there's just so much beauty. Um, my favorite quote from that book, which I, I think kind of encapsulates like the heart of Tolkien when it comes to what he's writing is, uh, I think it goes, the world is indeed full of peril and in it are many dark places, but still there is much that is fair. Mm. And though in all lands, love is now mingled with grief. It still grows perhaps the greater. I and that. I mean, that's like, that's a quote that you could take to prayer, right? Yeah, exactly. But he never loses hope. He never like stops believing in the power of love. And I, I don't know. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Another great book that I've read that deserves a place in my favorites is Brideshead Revisited by um, Evelyn Waugh. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's a hard book for me to really explain why mm-hmm. I love it. But I will say it was influential in bringing me back to the church mm-hmm. because of the ending. And I don't want to spoil the ending. But so go read it if you're listening. <laughs> so go read it. Um, but it, it was profoundly beautiful to me in the way that it showed the relevance of Catholicism, mm-hmm. even in modern time. Yep. Um, and then the third... Oh, gosh. Probably the Divine Comedy. (laughs) Um, I recently read a book called How Dante Saved My Life by Rod Dreher. And it's a fascinating memoir. Like, if you're kind of on the fence about reading Dante, maybe that's a great place to start. Because it's very accessible as well. But he goes through and just shows in a very, like, personal and vulnerable way how the lessons like embedded in all of these, you know, cantos and Dante's poem Mm -hmm. taught him these spiritual truths that brought him out of like a very deep depression. Like it, it taught him how to like get out of that selfish, like kind of immature place spiritually Mm -hmm. and grow in Christian maturity. And I absolutely believe that about Dante. And, um, I just find a lot that's very challenging and very beautiful in that in that poem. So, I like it. Those are all really really good ones. I like it. What about you? You can't oh, go gosh. through this. <laughs> Throw it back at me. Oh yeah. Um, I would think like my first one would be the Chronicles of Narnia, um, by C.S. Lewis. Uh, I remember, like that was only because they were so influential. Like just. I remember growing up as a kid reading those with my mom around the dinner table, but also like um, how much that affected like my imagination as a child and how C.S. Lewis made it, it seem like ordinary places could be transformed into these extraordinary adventures. And I remember like playing at my grandparents' house growing up and imagining that like behind the couch was like the entrance to Narnia (laughs) and playing with my cousins and like we go behind the couch and then come out it's like oh it's Narnia like this is so great and how vivid his imagery is and the like the word pictures that he paints and how just how you can find God in those 
Um, so um, that would, yeah, that would be number one. Um, um, <laughs> uh, two, two is the one that I've probably mentioned like 17 times already. Kristen Laverne's daughter, for sure. Um, I came across that one in college, um, and had finished it right before I met you. And my dad had, dad had introduced me to it. And just, that was the first time that I had read a book where it was just so raw and, like, nothing was hidden. Like, everything was laid bare. Like, um, there's a really good article that talks about from, I think it's from First Things, that publication, that talks uh-huh. about how, like, as a culture, we don't appreciate death anymore. Um, or we're try, we try to sanitize death. And how in Kristen, it's just, it's so, it's a part of life. Like, it's something that they don't deny or try to hide. Um, and I loved that, that it was just, it in, like, it encapsulates everything about human the human experience and just raw results of stupid mistakes and and that's a really good lesson that I can always learn if I read it in the right translation um, <laughs> if not it's just like ah this is not the same book that I knew <laughs> and then just to like like disappointedly return it to the library <laughs> like more than to... care. <laughs> <laughs> um, number three I'm trying to think um favorite and influential this one's really recent, and this is, like, so probably shallow in comparison to the other two, like, the depth of, like, spirituality that you can pull from them. But I've been reading a ton of um, Louise Penny, who you tipped me off to. Oh, um, yes. And I had I never – she's so good. And I would never had read um, mystery novels um, ever. Really? I don't – really. Before I – like, as an adult, before I came across her. And I love how she uh, – good and bad – in those novels are clear cut like um and the characters like again the word pictures and the way that she makes you feel at home in her books um it's just incredible and how I don't even know how to describe it like I never thought that I would love a mystery um and it came those came into my life at a point where my life like spiritually Um, And emotionally, like, I was going through a ton of things that was very, like, wrapped in a lot of uncertainty. And so I really clung to, like, a mystery novel because it was like, okay, if I can't figure out, you know, this going on in my life and and this happening in my spiritual life, at least I can, like, stick it out with Louise Penny and we can figure (laughs) out, like, (laughs) who's responsible for the the crime at the end of the book. And so, like, being able to work through that and and meet those characters and, and get to know them during a time where like my life seemed very like mysterious and like shrouded in a lot of um of unknowns was really good so yeah I never thought that she would like I would have a mystery novel as like the top of my like go-to authors but every time I'm at the library now like I'm like okay what's what do they have of hers and even if it's a reread like I'm down for it so that's awesome I didn't realize you had grown so fond of her mm-hmm. but she is phenomenal and as far as mystery I mean i I've loved mystery novels since I was reading Nate the Great in kindergarten, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, but she absolutely is head and shoulders above most of the mystery novel novelists that are writing today. Yes. Um, right up the bag of the Christie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah beautiful okay. writer. Very much so. I love it. Okay, so kind of lastly to, like, kind of wrap up, if we, like, again, like, we like to read, but if someone is trying to, you know, expand their bookshelf or dig into something and, and try to read more. 
or just at the beginning stages of it, do you have any books that you would recommend? And you've already mentioned like resources like Goodreads, Amazon, like even Google searching and asking friends for recommendations. But do you have any books that you'd recommend for someone just starting to read? That's a really tough question just because, you know, I, I tend to personalize recommendations yes. to the person and their interests. And I think probably it's the best advice I could give you is pick, you know, something spiritual and then something fun. Mm-hmm. So um, a spiritual book and a novel, right? Yes. You are filling up for a classic. Uh, you know, I think Jane Austen is a great place to start mm-hmm. for a classic. Um, as far as spiritual reading, I do think Father Jacques Philippe is super accessible. His book, Searching for and Maintaining Peace, yes. is really clutch. I, I love that one. Mm-hmm. Or Father Michael Gately's Consoling the Heart of Jesus. So yes. what, something like that for spiritual reading, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are really good ones. I like the thing that I like about Father um, Jacques Philippe books is how um, unintimidating they are. Like they're very small. They pack like so much great food for thought into just a couple of sentences where it's not like this immense book that you have to, you know, approach with a dictionary. Like it's just very accessible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I and they're short, which yes. is nice. Yeah. Not super... by any means. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like it. That's so good. Well, I thank... am a huge fan of Goodreads as well. So yes. if you're just wanting to like browse genres and kind of see there's ratings, there's reviews, it's, it's, it's a good resource. Yeah. And to find like people that, you know, on Goodreads, not me because I don't keep up with my Goodreads. Um, <laughs> I'm an awful example of what it is to use that resource, but like finding people that, you know, um, and who have like similar personalities or in similar walks of life and like being able to find what they're reading. And so it can spark conversation with them later. Like, Oh, like I saw you were reading this, but also to be able to like peek into their bookshelf and be like, okay, what did they read? Like, how can I like tap into that and the knowledge that they have? And I know that like there's a couple of friends that you are one of them that I have on Goodreads where I'm like, okay, what were they reading? Because I don't know where to go, but they have some good recommendations. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely a great resource for sure. Well, thanks for coming on and, and chatting about books. Thanks for being passionate about it and have. I love having friends that like just to dig into literature and be able to appreciate books with too. So thanks so much for your wisdom and your recommendations. I love it. Well, that goes both ways. So thank you as well. And it's been, it's been great to be on your podcast. Thanks for listening to the episode. Check out my blog, oldfashionedgirlblog.com for the show notes. There you'll be able to find the resources that Sarah and I mentioned, links to the websites like Goodreads, as well as articles that we talked about in this podcast. If you're looking to check out any of the books that Sarah and I mentioned on here, they are all listed um, in the show notes as well. And those links are actually through an Amazon affiliate link. So if you purchase one of those books through those links, that goes to help make this podcast possible. If you have a couple spare minutes, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes so it can be easier for others to find. And that's all I have for the show today. So until next time, be not afraid.